share some thoughts uh, from Romans, the book of Romans. The Lord has laid that on my heart for a while. And uh, I was just kind of waiting and waiting, and then finally he just said, do it. So that's why we're doing that. Just share with you uh, these thoughts. Romans is probably uh, Paul's greatest work. Some would say it is Paul's greatest work. Don't say probably. His greatest work. Uh, The four Gospels present uh, the word, uh, the words and the works of the Lord Jesus. And Romans uh, explores the significance of Christ and his death. It, it, so Romans explores that. He actually, Paul does, he dissects this, uh, this uh, writing or he writes in such a, a way that you and I can understand how salvation works and how it works for us. Um, According to most writers, it is the most uh, systematic presentation of doctrine in the Bible. So if you want to really understand what God expects of us, you have to understand the book of Romans. Uh, it's more than a book of theology. It's also a, a practical book. You can walk things out easily, uh, knowing what God wants and knowing how to give it to him. It's, um, it's an encouragement. It's uh, exhortation. Lots of exhortation in there, encouragement. Sometimes when we hear people who are exhorters, we, uh, I've heard it said, oh, they're just an exhorter. But if, if you've ever been in distress and somebody encouraged you, they're more than just an exhorter. <laughs> so that's a ministry. So why do uh, we encourage people? Because people need encouragement. And so here you'll find uh, great exhortation and encouragement. And the good news of Jesus, according to Romans, is more than facts. You know, sometimes I think we get our Christianity is in our head a lot. And we think that it's a head thing because we deal with the world a lot of times from the, head, the position of our heads. And, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a life that must be lived. Not just should be lived, but a life that must be lived. It's a life of righteousness. That's what Romans shows us, that you and I can bring, uh, give God what he wants. It's a life of righteousness befitting the person uh, who has been justified freely by God's grace. And God's grace is, is going to be seen here in some astounding ways in that who deserves it? Absolutely nobody. Absolutely nobody. Who deserves God's grace? And um, and then it's befitting this life that is lived or that we should live is befitting that person who has been um, blessed by God, justified freely by his grace, and has been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So uh, I want to also talk about the, uh, a thought from Galatians. Okay, I'm not going to go to Galatians. But from Galatians, Paul asked the Galatians, uh, a, a question, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? And I believe that Romans is sh- shouting that out to us uh, no, in that we should never, ever refuse instructions, good instructions. Uh, we should always listen to those who love us, and God is shouting to us that he loves us. And so I would like for the, the, the thought, have I become your enemy uh, because I told you the truth. That's what Paul says. I want that to uh, permeate every verse, you know, to be a part of every verse that we read in Romans uh, and through every chapter of the book. Let's, let's uh, see it as God telling us the truth, God speaking the truth, not just to us, but into us. 
And so the gospel, we know, is not an enemy uh, of the truth, but the gospel is itself the truth of God. So uh, let's look at Romans as the truth of God. We've given you some background. Those of you who did not um, make it to the service Sunday, I gave you a background on Paul and who this man uh, was and who who he is in a proper present tense context who he is to us as we study the book of Romans. Uh, Paul starts out in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, uh, we won't perhaps break everything down, every little word down, but when he says he's a bondservant, that word is doulos, doulos, it means a slave, really. And so Paul wears the badge of being God's slave or Christ's slave very proudly, and proudly in a good way. Uh, he is not ashamed of being God's slave, his bondservant. He says, uh, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I think we talked about a little bit about that, uh, how when um, in the Old Testament, uh, the, the picture is a, a, a person who is a slave of someone, but they love their master so much. They love their master so much that they don't want to leave. And so they'll, they'll, they'll go and put their ear on the post, this door, this uh, post or door post, and uh, they'll take an owl, A-W-L, and drive a hole through the ear, which says they're permanently uh, a servant or slave of that particular person. And they're, if they have a wife, if they've, if they've been given a wife by that master, then that wife is, is the master's forever, and their children are the master's forever. And I think that when we look at this, then those of us who are, as it were, offspring of God. What we're saying right now is through Paul's message is that uh, Paul, Paul, if we could say he was a forefather and now he has pledged himself to the master forever, then we're, we the children, as it were, for this context, are also pledged to the master forever and we don't want to leave. I think we, we need to look at it like that. Yeah. Thank you. And so he says... Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. I'm, he was called to be an apostle. And that word call has to do, it's a, a Greek word, kletos or kletos. It's, it means to invite, to invite or to be invited like to a banquet. Um, also, it means um, uh, by God in a proclamation of the gospel. So God calls people to proclaim the gospel. It, it is also a call to uh, not just salvation, but eternal salvation. I always like to make sure that I say that because there are believers who believe that you've got to, you've got to work uh, uh, to be saved. You have to work, work to be saved. There's not enough work possible for us to work and earn salvation. It is so great, and we were so far lost that it's impossible. So when Paul says he was called to be an, uh, an apostle, uh, he means that God invited him in, asked him to come in, and he was divinely uh, appointed. He was divinely selected. So when we look at, at, at this Romans chapter 1, we'll understand some things about our call, too, that I think would give us confidence in God's ability not only to call but to keep. He says here he's called to be an apostle, and then he, he, se- he said separated to the gospel of God. So I'm separated to the truth of God, the good news of God, which he promised 
and uh, he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. So what Paul says here is that God promised through his prophets. Now, God, God gave a promise, which means that he is going to keep his word to you. That's what he means. So when God called you, God then keeps his word to you. It's not like, okay, I, I have to perform all these things now. It doesn't mean that you are happy-go-lucky, you know, carefree, uh, live any kind of way you want to live. Uh, that's, that's not what he is saying here. But he's saying here is that when God calls you, he puts himself into you. And then, as we know, what he puts in you, you become. Uh, I had friends growing up as kids they went to a particular church, and they would say, I've been saved, so I can do anything I want to now. And they had an understanding that since they had been saved, that they could kick up their heels, live a reckless life, uh, a, a horrible life, and still they would, get, uh, in the end, they would go to heaven. And so I rejected that as a, ch as a boy, and uh, the church that I went to rejected that particular view and I, I think what we missed in that was that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. And Jesus is going to keep you. But what I think we did, we mis mistook bad, pra bad practice. We had, it was bad practice, but good doctrine. So what we, the good doctrine is that Jesus keeps us. But the practice was so bad, we repudiated good doctrine. And so we don't want to live such a terrible life that people can't see the truth of God for seeing our ways, the way we comport ourselves. So we rejected good doctrine based on bad practice. So he says here that God promised through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And so what Paul wants us to understand is that Jesus Christ fulfills the promise to, to Abraham, he also uh, fulfills the promise to David. And in this case, he wants us to know that he has fulfilled the promise to David. Now, if you understand anything about Jewish, back, Jewish culture, you understand about the Jews being God's uh, chosen people at that particular time. They were, what were they chosen? They were chosen as the people of God, called to be the people of God, and, that, and they lived out, uh, were supposed to, God's principles, God's truth, in this present world. That's what they were chosen to do. It wasn't like, oh, I love them more than I love you. It was not like that. It means they were chosen and they have, as it were, priority in that they were the, the, the chosen people of God. And, and he says here, he was, uh, Jesus was born of the seed of David, so that means he fulfills the Davidic covenant. He, he uh, fulfills the fact that God is going to have a king from David's th uh, throne, uh, from David's lineage, rather, uh, to live uh, and rule forever and ever and ever and ever. And so God made that promise to David that he would have, that his own, somebody from his body would rule from the heavens forever and ever and ever. And so Paul is declaring that Jesus Christ is this person. And he goes on to say in verse 4, and uh, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so what he says is now he's Son of David, and he is son of God. So how do we know he's son of God? Because he rose from the dead. And that's what Paul is saying emphatically. He rose from the dead. So your faith is that. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. 
And so what Paul says, he was declared uh, to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. And I think we want to look at the spirit of holiness, what that brings to us as well. So the whole Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, as a man got out of the grave. So that was his declaration that he was the son of God, first person to do that. But he is the first fruits of a whole, a huge company of people who will follow suit just like he did. And we are that company of people. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 5, through him, through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship, apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. And so he calls us all the call um, of Jesus Christ. We are the called of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has invited us all into this amazing salvation and to participate in the things of God. That is, as sons of God, not just as spectators, not just as people who hope one day they'll be saved, but Jesus has saved us. And, and, and of course, Paul tells us uh, in other uh, of his writings that Jesus has given the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the down payment that the rest is to come. So we are already his. Why? Because he gave us the Spirit of God. And this was the same Spirit of God that caused Jesus or raised Jesus from the dead. So he wants us to be certain about our salvation. He doesn't want you to think that salvation is whimsical and that, God, that our God, Jehovah or Yahweh, or Jesus, uh, he's saying that he is not like the Greek gods who were so capricious, you know, they get angry with you, they act, of, of, uh, I was going to say it almost, but they would act as bad as any of us would act, right? Y'all don't know what I was going to say, no matter how my mouth was, was perched, all right? So, uh, yeah, Lord, thank you, Jesus. So, 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 uh, so you and I have been called uh, divinely selected, divinely appointed. It's the same call that brought, that brought Paul into apostleship, but we've also been called to obtain salvation, eternal salvation. So that, that is a call of God. And so when God called you into the kingdom of his dear son, he called you to receive and, and have eternal salvation. All right. So, so let's, let's get that settled. Let's get that settled. And, uh, uh, I'm often asked, as we were in our last missions trip, I was asked, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I was preaching, um, and there were some very, very high-powered uh, men of God there, and uh, they were, they, uh, as was told by our team, um, they, they pastored, uh, presided over like tens of thousands of, of members of churches. Uh, and so it makes... a. Uh, uh, Lakewood look almost like it's a small church. Uh, they, they preside over such, such large numbers of people. But I was, somebody was sitting next to one of the, uh, these men. And as I was preaching about being born again and what it means to be born of the Spirit of God and how uh, powerful that is and how effective that is, uh, it, the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, I do not teach once saved, always saved. And I said that. And at the moment I said that, I heard this person saying to the person, once saved, always saved. And so they were finding a doctrine that they could fight me with. But I said, no, I never used that because I don't find it uh, per se in the Bible like that. But the Bible does speak clearly of eternal salvation. 
And so I use what the Bible use, uses. I don't use other words. You know, sometimes when we're preaching, we'll say, in other words, I say, no, no, use God's words. Don't use other words. Use God's words, all right? And so that's why I say that. And when I, we said it at the same time, when he was telling this mighty man of God that, that I, say, I uttered these words at the same time. And I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for negating though that the affiliation with that particular belief. All right? Somebody's out there in the audience saying, there's no difference, Pastor. Okay. But I didn't use other words. I used God's words. All right? And so he says here, through him, through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship for, the, uh, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he again says, called to be saints. So when we talk about the grace of God, and, and Paul speaks very beautifully here uh, that uh, through Christ we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith, to the faith of God in Jesus Christ. And so grace, uh, let me define it for you, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, that which affords joy. Grace is that which affords joy. So we sometimes think, uh, oh, it's just un unmerited favor, you know, I mean, it's the grace of God. Yes, it's that too, but it's something that, affords joy and pleasure, delight, sweetness, uh, loveliness, or maybe even God blesses us and we have grace of speech. Uh, it has to do with goodwill, God's, God's goodwill extended to us, it, God's loving kindness to us, uh, his divine favor, um, uh, the merciful kindness by which God uh, uh, exerts his influence upon uh, the unregenerate. Some, God will do that. You and I were unregenerate. We're not seeking God. And, and it was his grace that, that just came upon our hearts. And, some, and, and for a moment there, we had good sense. You know, seriously, we had good sense for that moment. And we go, wow, there is a God or something like that. And I've heard people do that. Well, there is a God. And so Paul is explaining this to the, mostly the Gentiles. There's some Jews, uh, Jewish uh, believers there in Rome too. But a lot of them are Gentiles. And the Jewish people who were probably... Um, at, uh, uh, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Some of them went back to Rome, obviously, and started churches. And so, but Paul, this amazing apostle to the Gentiles, wa wants to go there to Rome. But notice how, and we'll perhaps read this later, how the Holy Spirit kept him from going in his own time. That's very important. You know, you'll notice that. He was always prevented from going in his own time. Because all, all, oftentimes we have an agenda. We all do. I used to say to you a lot, uh, I don't have a, an agenda, and the Lord corrected me. He said, you do have an agenda. It's just not a personal one. And so I said, okay, I don't have my personal agenda here. It's God's agenda. And so um, let's go back to, to grace uh, that it turns people to Christ, the unregenerate to Christ. But grace also strengthens us. It, it's the grace of God that we are strong. It is um, the grace of God that we are increased in our faith, that we are made better in our faith. And it's a terrible thing when we are stunted. You know the word stunted? Uh, and, and on the farm when we had animals that just, no matter how you fed them, they just didn't grow. 
you know, and they just wouldn't, wouldn't grow. They came from the same litter or the same fa uh, father. I mean, mama, we call them, yeah, father cow, I guess, mother cow. I don't know. I, I kind of lost my ability to, to speak farm language. But, but came from the same bull and the cow. I said, okay, that's better. And, and they came from the same litter, the same uh, sire and, and, and whatever. They came from the same, but they just wouldn't grow. And sometimes we're, we have Christians like that. They just don't seem to grow. And most Christians who just don't seem to grow, they're stuck somewhere. There's something in their head that they're believing that's not right. And they're letting that head knowledge override what God has done in the heart. You just don't grow. You like the enemy is always lying to us. He's always lying to us. He's always telling us things that he's guilty of, and he wants to make us feel guilty of them. And so he's always lying to us. And one of my biggest struggles as a young man is getting past the devil's lies. Yeah, getting past his lies because you know he'll he'll quote a fact and he'll act like the fact is the truth. Well, the fact, the fact is I have sinned, but the truth is I am a saint of God now, saved by the blood of Jesus. That's the truth. Yeah. It, it, it was a fact that I was in the world, in the world system, but it is also the truth that I'm not there any longer. Yeah. And, and, and it, is, it, is a, it is a fact that I was from the old creation. But the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so that, you have to understand the truth of God. And so what Paul is doing here, I believe, is giving them the truth of God, those who are in Rome. In, in verse 8, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And I want to just say that, you know, we have a strong emphasis on Christ in every regard. We have a strong emphasis on Christ. And Paul does too. And every true child of God does. Every true child of God does. So Paul is saying here that he doesn't just, as it were, bypass Jesus and go to the Father and say, Father, I just couldn't waste my time with Jesus. I'm coming. To, you know, No, he doesn't do that. But so he's, he's thanking God through Jesus Christ. He said, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So something was happening right in, in Rome in that their faith was, was spoken of. And so Paul wanted to go there and, I believe, shore up that faith. He says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Two, two beautiful words. In his, I serve God in my spirit, and I serve him in the gospel of his son. That is, we don't make things up. We, I serve him in the good news of Jesus Christ. I serve him in what he says about his son, not what I think he should say about his son. So this is what Paul is saying to us. So sometimes we'll have people who mean well, but they're doing damage to the body because they present their feelings and their philosophies rather than the truth of the gospel. So we want to stay true to the truth of the gospel and recognize that we have been called by God. So that means there was a summon that went out, and that's why you and I are saved. We were called by God, directly by God. And Paul is making this clear. So don't play with that. Don't play games with that. You're called by God. That's the yeah. biggest, best calling you could ever have. So we don't ever, no matter how tempted, uh, tempting it sounds, we don't want to ever lay down what God has done and what God has spoken into us for something of the world. We don't want to do that. It doesn't matter how appealing it may seem. Yeah. 
Because everything in the world system is short-term, but what God, God has an eternal kingdom. A lot of brothers and sisters have equated things uh, with the kingdom of God that don't belong there. And that is that if you uh, serve God, you won't suffer. You, you, know, you, you serve God, you'll have all of your needs met because he won't let you. You know, there are people who serve God more diligent than some of us, and man, their needs aren't met. We help them to meet their needs. Well, I guess they're met through us because they're not met ordinarily. They met because somehow God brought them to some meeting and we were there and, and now we say, okay, let us help you out. So, and they, they can have struggle in their life, but struggle doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And, and Paul is going to clear all of this up as we continue to go along. He goes on to say uh, that... Let me read it from the verse 9. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. It says to the Romans, making requests if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. So he is really excited because he didn't want to get to Rome by hook or crook. He wanted to find a way to do it in the will of God. And this is very key to all of us. You know, there may be something God has in front of you that you want to do or you feel like you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to find a way in the will of God to get that accomplished, not just find a way to get that accomplished. And so I, I love the fact that, and as I've been studying Paul here, he is very meticulous with his word usage. And I believe that's because of the Holy Spirit in him. Uh, he is very meticulous in his word usage. And so we want to be uh, the same. In verse 11, it says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. And I love this verse. I love all of it. But verse 11, it makes me chuckle a little bit. So Paul says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. It may sound a little bit, which he does not mean, braggadocious, you know. Uh, I'm going to come to this apostle and I'm going to lay my hands on you and impart something. Or while I'm there, God's going to do great miracles and, you know, it may could be misconstrued to be that. So I'm sure Paul, seeing that, he says very quickly, uh, uh, after he says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. He said, that is, <laughs> let me explain, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And so that is a better way of saying the, the, the same thing. It's a better way of explaining it because he's saying it's, it's not just that I'm the big apostle and I'm just going to come bless your socks off. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to bless me. And that's how it is, even pastoring. I mean, when you get to heaven, you'll, you, you'll be shocked at all the times when I was praying for something that you came up in a nonchalant way gave me the answer. Yeah, this is big stuff. You know, have you ever had a, you know, maybe your back was itching someplace where your arms couldn't get to it, you know? You know, and uh, maybe your wife came up or uh, your husband came up and just scratched that little place. Yeah, that's how you do it. And this is what Paul, I believe, is saying. He says that, uh, in verse 13, he says, but now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now. Um, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. And then he says, I am a debtor. This, this is so beautiful. I am a debtor. Remember how bad he was. He was a terrible guy, person. And God saves sinners. God saves 
bad people. Aren't you glad? Yeah, yeah. God saves bad people. He says, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So he was a debtor to those who uh, were barbarians, as it were, uncultured, uh, people you may not want to be around too long. I said, I owe you. And I owe those who are cultured, those who have it all together. I owe you also. I love Paul's writing. And so I would take from that that you and I should not be as the world and make a difference in people. And even sometimes, uh, you know, snicker a little bit. We all snicker a little bit here and there. And sometimes we catch ourselves. But uh, sometimes we snicker because we can't believe it, right? But, you know, when you travel around the world, you, you realize that you must love everybody. And I believe that God won't send you until you do love everybody. You know, when you just love people. And I, and I go to various places in the world and I see my brothers and sisters, I just love them. And I want to be there with them. And for the most part, I sit down and eat just like whatever they eat for the most part. You see, I can't eat certain parts of the cow. And, you know, like I grew up, or certain parts of the pig, you know, somebody. Uh, can I tell you a quick uh, pig story? Is it okay? No, well, maybe I should not tell you. Uh, I will leave it alone. I will leave you that alone. It was one of our members ate a part of an, we had been invited by a church, a certain church, and they had all these kind of uh, ethnic foods and, and, uh, and I said to this, this young lady who was a part of our team, she was actually, she was our praise and worship leader at the time. And I said, so-and-so, don't eat that stuff. I don't eat it. Don't eat it. And uh, she was, she didn't listen to a pastor. She listened to somebody else's pastor and she ate it. And when I was just watching her and when it got in her mouth, I saw her just tremble. <laughs> yeah. But, but for the most part, you know, sometimes we don't, refuse to eat because we think we're better than somebody. Sometimes there's just things that just don't go down as easily. And, and so uh, some, somebody in the audience says, and some things don't go down at all. But, but conversely, that is true when people come here. They don't all, we think, oh, this is so great. They think, that is not good. So those are little differences, but those are not differences that should make us think that we are better than others, all right? As, as you go into the world, you are not better than anybody. And Paul is making this, I think, known to us. He is a debtor. He saw himself as someone who owed uh, mankind. So let's look at verse 15. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Um, and so uh, he says that I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And um, there were some things I wanted to say about um, uh, that, but we'll, we'll say, them, say them for another time. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I, I love this. This is an often uh, quoted verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So I, I remember one of our brothers here, uh, he and I were talking one day, and he said, there's an element of shame in the gospel. And I had never thought about it like that because I always wondered why sometimes I felt a bit of shame, you know, and I, I had to grow out of feeling shame. And, and Paul says, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. And today I say to you, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I, if somebody were to offer me the presidency of the United States, I would turn it down if I had to be other than a preacher of the gospel. I, I, I think that I have the highest calling in the, in the whole earth. 
a preacher of the gospel, and Paul saw himself like that. So don't feel like, oh, to be a nuclear scientist would be better, or to be a, uh, what do they call rocket scientist, or, or to be a, um, something else would be better. No, I can be both, but I can't choose one or the other. I have to choose Christ. And this is what Paul is saying, right? Paul is saying that. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation. It is the power of God to salvation. It is a, a divine, miraculous power in the gospel. It's amazing that you can preach to somebody, tell them about God, and suddenly their eyes are open. Their, their spirit is, is now pulsating. Something's going on inside them because you said words. That's amazing to me. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. It's the miraculous power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And what he means is for the Jew first, not because God prefers the Jews over you, but because they're first in priority. They're like the oldest son, the oldest brother. And uh, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith or from faith, uh, from faith for faith, as, as some version says. It says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that's what that means, basically, is that the righteous shall live by faith. So then we have to yield ourselves, according to Paul here, we have to yield ourselves to God orchestrating a life that necessitates faith that you must have faith. I don't know about you, but there have been times I wanted sight instead of faith. I've wanted sight. I've wanted to see everything. And uh, I'm sure I'm seeing people here who felt the same way. But I realized one day that God is not going to uh, give us a life that does not require faith. And so there's so much I would like to share about, about that, but we'll share more of chapter one, uh, the first portion of chapter one, and of course, the latter portion We'll share that with you a little bit later. So let me just uh, say, God made the Jewish nations the, the keepers, uh, custodians of God's revelation. He made them the, the ones who kept it. And so we get our revelation basically from them. And, uh, and, and uh, after having said that, it's, it's just a privilege that God um, has given to them a preference, as it were, a privilege uh, that they have this priority. And wherever, you know, Jesus himself said in John chapter 4, he said that uh, when he was talking to a woman at the well, he said, salvation is of the Jews. He said, you don't know what you worship. We know what we worship because salvation is of the Jews. So God has brought them in a sense of priority to give them understanding first. When we talk about the Jewish people being God's chosen people, you are also the chosen of God. So we want to get that in proper context. And so what Paul is talking about priority, not in, as it were, uh, preferential rank. He's not talking about that. Salvation is of the Jews. Let's pray, and uh, we will we'll come back in a minute. Father, I want to thank you so much for for who you are and for, and for Jesus and, and for the gospel. Just thank you for the gospel. Thank you that Paul had a willingness to, to go to a place that, where he was going to eventually die, but he did not shrink back. And he had love in his heart 
for all of your people, those Gentiles who were in Rome who were doing a, a good job, but he came there to shore them up, to, to submit them in the faith, to, to strengthen them in the faith. And I pray that everybody here today would realize that uh, there is a way in the will of God to do what God wants. And Paul found that way in the will of God, although it seemed as though he was delayed, he got there on time. I want to thank you for that, for that strength and that wisdom that caused him to wait at, for the proper time, the right time. And I pray that all of us would walk in that amazing reality. And I further pray that we would understand the grace of God, the grace of God that has come to us, that has brought us eternal salvation. And we don't have to work out how to keep it. All we have to do is live a life of faith for the righteous shall live by faith. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.